Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. ESPN Plus shares some new numbers with us. A drought has fallen on the Africa Cup of Nations. Fox cements a World Cup deal with Twitter. Which soccer TV channels are losing the biggest percentage of subscribers? Why does the FA Cup upset MLS writers so? And finally, we share our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. On the panel today, we have Kartik Krishnayer. My name is Christopher Harris. So, Kartik, it's uh, Thursday. We're recording this, and uh, we just published uh, one of your new stories today uh, that was focused on uh, Water Media, uh, which is you know owns uh, Turner Sports, uh, and they're definitely interested in Major League Soccer rights. For you, what were the some of the interesting things that, uh, that came out of it? Yeah, we know Warner Media made a pretty uh, attractive bid to the Premier League, right? Very recently, uh, appears they were the, uh, the possibly the high bidder, actually. Uh, but NBC, the incumbent, NBC Universal, the incumbent, maintained the rights. And Warner Media has uh, put a lot of money now into acquisitions, uh, potential money. They've acquired NHL rights. MLS rights, or their portion of the package, should go for about uh, the same or maybe a little less than the NHL rights. So that's uh, that's a potentially less expensive acquisition that gives them a lot of content. It gives them a lot of content which doesn't conflict with the NBA and NHL at times, which are their two kind of bread and butter things along with Major League Baseball. The thing that's very attractive about Turner, I think, from MLS's standpoint, is they show no college football, which, you know, which we know has been the biggest bugaboo for um, – rights holders, right, of, of soccer in general, not just MLS, but Premier League rights holders, rights holders for other European leagues is the conflicts with college football. They don't show any college basketball outside the NCAA men's basketball tournament, which, of course, they have uh, co-exclusive rights with CBS for. So uh, there are a lot of ma- uh, uh, basketball games, particularly Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays during March uh, and early April on uh, Turner Networks. But other than that, the programming conflicts are light. There's Major League Baseball, uh, which does go through the summer and is shown primarily on TBS, not on TNT. 
And I think that that gives them the opportunity to show the League's Cup in English, for example, during the middle of the summer and maybe show the entire tournament, the entire English language rights. I think that there is the opportunity for them to use their streaming services, be it HBO Max or BR Live uh, for, uh, for other MLS matches, for local MLS matches, as well as MLS Next Pro and maybe a select MLS Next match here and there. So uh, there's a lot of content that um, that's given to them. Now, the conflict, of course, would be in May and June with the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs, right, that are um, going to be on TNT and, and, and Turner and HBO Max, HBO Max with the, with the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. They may not have as much bandwidth during that period, and Major League Baseball has started at that point. But in terms of the conflicts with football, they don't show the NFL, they don't show college football, and we have had, um, I think just for this sport in general, the greatest conflict has been with college football and programming time, having to uh, schedule around college football. Also, last thing, Turner does not show very much uh, golf uh, anymore, and they show no tennis. So uh, the golf is down to uh, opening rounds of, of the PGA Championship and and some other uh, assorted uh, uh, one-off things throughout the year, and tennis is, is not on the network at all. So they don't have the programming conflicts that even, uh, for example, USA does now for, for Premier League matches with a lot of the inventory from, from NBCSN going to USA. Yeah, overall, this is a very um, kind of tantalizing proposition here that uh, Major League Soccer might get into partnership with, with uh, Warner Media. Uh, of course, I'm sure there's going to be other other players too, especially on the Spanish language uh, side. But what Warner Media does offer, like you said, Kartik, is a lot of TV options. Uh, the one side of the thing, the side of the fence that they're a little bit weak on is on the online side. So BR Live, which is now defunct, BR Live, if you go to BR Live, it redirects to the Bleacher Report website. Um, and BR Live in the last year or so was mostly, uh, I think, AEW Wrestling, so mostly wrestling on there. They had gotten rid of all of their soccer properties. And um, it's it's one of those things. So there's HBO Max. So HBO Max uh, will be adding hockey in the near future. And uh, on the soccer side, uh, there's a good, good opportunity to add sports there. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, they're definitely one of the contenders. Um, two years ago, I was in uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia for a conference. Uh, and, and there, uh, MLS uh, had been in talks with, with Turner at that time to kind of set the wheels in motion and see if there's an opportunity. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot more detail in uh, Kartik's article at worldsoccertalk.com. Um, and it's quite interesting. I, th- I think uh, definitely Warner Media could s- certainly give uh, Major League Soccer kind of a different look and feel. Um, the big question at the end of the day for a lot of European soccer fans is the level of coverage. I mean, it was kind of up and down a roller coaster ride for the UEFA Champions League. Could they put together a package uh, or kind of some talent that would be worthy of Major League Soccer? I certainly hope so. I mean, they're a large enough organization, but a lot of that depends on who's driving the production and, you I mean, do they have experience in soccer? They probably would have to hire someone from the outside or go with someone in inside. And if it's someone inside, they may not have that soccer experience. So 
all in all, should be one to watch um, over the next uh, few weeks. So Major League Soccer is expected to make the announcement by the end of the first quarter uh, in terms of who will get the rights. Uh, Warner Media certainly uh, has a play. Nothing guaranteed until uh, those bids come in and agreements are done. So a long way to go still. All right, Kartik, let's move on to the, actually into the news segment because uh, there's a lot of news this week. Uh, and we'll, we'll get back to uh, kind of our recommended matches to watch uh, shortly. But uh, let's talk about the TV streaming news side of things. And I'll have you kick it off uh, since we've got so much to cover. Yeah, a, a new report uh, by Nielsen, which was published in Sports Business Journal, showed us a number of households uh, uh, for channels that uh, that number of household channels that broadcast soccer in. ESPN and ESPN two were uh, were dropped by four percent in subscriber numbers, while um, uh, FS one uh, uh, had, had uh, uh, about a two percent drop. In the past two years, the last 24 months, and NBCSN had a similar drop. They're gone now, of course. So we're seeing more cord cutters. We're seeing more uh, people also that aren't uh, necessarily cutting the cord but are are, um, consolidating, right? They're getting rid of the sports pack or they're getting rid of extraneous channels, even if they're keeping cable. So that's affecting channels that broadcast soccer pretty dramatically. And um, in terms of CBS Sports Network, which uh, is not a Nielsen-rated channel, they are not in as many homes as these other channels we're talking about. So that's an even uh, even more uh, worrying uh, place, actually, in, in, in some senses. Yeah, and some of the numbers, just go through them real quickly, too. So ESPN and ESPN2 are in 79 million homes. Uh, USA Network... Uh, and FS1 are in 78 million uh, homes. And it's actually about the same as NBCSN. It used to be that USA Network, up until re- very recently, Kartik, had, was in far greater, far more homes than NBCSN, roughly b- between 5 and 10 million. Now, where NBCSN left off and is now gone, but uh, at the end of uh, December, and where USA Network is, um, they're about the same, but they're 78 million homes, which is the same as FS1. FS2 is in 60 million homes, uh, 2DNA, 36 million homes, Fox Deportes, 18 million homes, uh, BN Sports on the English language side, and ESPN Deportes, 13 million homes, and then BN Sports in Espanol, uh, 8 million homes. Uh, out of all those, uh, one of the ones, actually the, the, the two networks that had the biggest uh, decrease in, in number of subscribers were ESPN Deportes, uh, they lost roughly 6 million subscribers, uh, and then BN Sports en Espanol, which lo- lost about uh, 2.5 million subscribers. So there's, I mean, the, 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 the irony is, is that BN Sports en Espanol gets the far greater TV ratings than BN Sports, the English language channel, even though BN Sports is in uh, almost double the amount of homes. Uh, ESPN Deportes, that number keeps on dropping, dropping. Um, but it's important that they keep a Spanish language uh, station uh, channel uh, uh, among its reach and properties that ESPN has. Yeah, there's also the, another interesting uh, uh, thing I have to say on the positive is that through the course of the last five years or so, Fox has made an effort to get FS2 
uh, which was at one point in the 40, uh, high 40s, uh, low 50 million uh, in terms of uh, uh, households up. They're at 60 million now, uh, which is still significantly lower than the two ESPN, ESPN 1 and ESPN 2, as well as FS1. But the gap between uh, FS1 and FS2 in terms of subscribers is not, this is the lowest it's actually ever been. Yeah, FS2, I don't know about you, Kartik. I can't even remember the last time I, I, I watched FS2. It probably would have been last summer for the Gold Cup, perhaps. What about you? Oh, I don't know. I don't... I don't. I'm not conscious of whether I'm watching FS1 or FS2, to be honest with you, if I'm watching Fox. I <laughs> Does that mean I you're not watching watch- it? No, that means I might have watched it yesterday. I, I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> tell you. Uh, I know when I've watched a Fox broadcast. I'm just not conscious of whether I'm watching it on, uh, for me, Channel uh, 219 or Channel 618. I, I, 618 is FS2 for me on right. DirecTV and uh, 219 is FS1. I think I watched it. I don't know. The uh, Arab Cup, that was on uh, FS2. FS1 and FS1. FS2. Yeah, yeah both, so both of them. So I don't know which one I watched, which <laughs> matches on. Honestly. That's interesting, though, too. That, that uh, I mean, that's really interesting to, to me is that, you mean, it's a Fox. You're just watching it on Fox. It doesn't matter, yeah. matter whether it's Big Fox, FS1, FS2. Uh, that's really interesting. So, so let's move on to the next news item, and that's Fubo. Fubo has been busy in the news this week. Fubo uh, TV, the, the streaming platform. Uh, ended 2021 with a record 1.1 million subscribers. Uh, in comparison, Peacock uh, has 20 million active users, but 1.1 million subscribers for Fubo is a, a big, uh, big deal for them. Also, uh, today they announced a deal. So Fubo TV in Canada has acquired the rights to the English Premier League starting uh, in August of 2022. Uh, previously, DAZN had the rights to that league, and DAZN will go ahead and, and show the rest of this season in Canada. Speaking of DAZN, DAZN uh, this week uh, is going through with a purchase of BT Sport in uh, in the UK for uh, in US dollars, roughly eight hundred million dollars. Um, what I'm hearing from one of my sources is that uh, with DAZN losing the Premier League in Canada. And not really not having much properties or much rights available in the U.S. I mean, they have they have some some fights now and again, but it's very rare. Is that DAZN is looking at potentially exiting the U.S. and Canadian markets, uh, and then really kind of concentrating more on Europe. In Italy, they're they're huge with uh, Serie A rights, uh, and now. Um, uh, having the rights, actually, basically taking over BT Sport, they're going to be occupied quite a bit uh, with things ha- happening uh, in Europe as opposed to North America. In addition, they forked over a ton of money for the Bundesliga, maybe too much money, in my opinion, for Bundesliga domestic rights, uh, which they split with Sky now in Germany, uh, was uh, completely on Sky prior to that. So they uh, they have put a lot of money into Europe. Uh, one quick note about the Peacock number, Chris. This number, by the way, I saw the number and it was eye-popping to me. Uh, my understanding is that it includes people who are Comcast subscribers that are using Peacock. It's not just people who've signed up for Peacock um, as a standalone service. So I was a little confused when I uh, got the got the news release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes total sense because uh, actually Peacock, I think, names uh, says the number of uh, subscribers they have is much greater than that. But then they they say okay, number of active users uh, twenty million, and that could be like you said, a lot of it could be Comcast uh, users watching Peacock programming through their uh, Comcast box. 
or or like or, or like you and me who are watching Peacock for Premier League matches um, now and again. Uh, speaking of this weekend, too, actually Peacock, they've got the Chelsea Man City game and the Spurs Arsenal game. Uh, and and actually next week I think they have Brentford against Man United, um, and then the weekend after that they got Man United against West Ham. So there's a lot of games coming on Peacock that are exclusive to them. That's fine by me because again, as I pointed out before, uh, and again, if you don't have Peacock, then it's a problem. But uh, they, for whatever reason, do a more thorough job with the bumper coverage around the matches if it's on Peacock than if it's on USA or NBC. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's uh, it's there's no there's no uh, set set time limit and and uh, commercial breaks are less frequent. But they seem to do go more in depth on those shows uh, around the coverage. I mean the match coverage is the same, but in and around the matches, for some reason NBC seems to put more effort when the matches are on Peacock. Do you remember a few years ago, Kartik, when uh, Alexi Lalas tweeted out that said, uh, what did he say? He said, if, if you're not watching Major League Soccer, you're not a soccer fan in the United States. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that well. Uh, <laughs> well, in some ways, it's like if you're a soccer fan in the United States in 2022, if you don't have ESPN Plus, uh, Peacock, and Paramount Plus, are you really a soccer fan? Because in terms of the amount of content and games that they have on those three channels alone, I mean, and tons of other stuff too, um, I mean, that's that's the majority of the soccer games these days. Yeah, and I have to say, I, I we're... Uh, we, we skipped the segment where what we watched this week, but I'm now getting more, um, just more kind of partial to streaming. So let me tell you this, we're recording this Thursday morning. What happened to me Wednesday afternoon? I had uh, a political project I was working on, so I couldn't watch the Spanish uh, Supercopa semifinals or uh, the uh, Super, Italian Super Supercopa live. I DVR both. One is on CBS Sports Network. The other is on ESPN or ESPN2. Guess what? One match goes to extra, they both go to extra time and one match goes to penalties. Both DVR recordings of mine cut off before the matches were decided. Uh. Now, if these if I had been watching the matches on stream, which I suppose I could do, right? They must be archived on Paramount Plus and ESPN yep. Plus also. So I guess I could do it. But I hadn't thought about that. I would have not had this issue. So um, I had added a half an hour to both recordings, knowing that they might go into extra time because they're elimination matches. But um, there was uh, some sort of stoppage time. There was extended stoppage time, I think, in the Real Madrid-Barcelona match in, uh, at the end of regular time, uh, at the end of the second half, that then pushed the uh, extra time uh, recording past uh, two hours and 30 minutes. And then with uh, 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 CBS with uh, Italy, it went into uh, it, 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 uh, the winner was in what the 120th mm-hmm. plus minute, and it, my DVR had cut off. Well, I had, I mean, uh, that sucks. I mean, and that's happened to me before too, Kartik, probably about 10 years ago, right? I mean, but, but it just goes to show we're in 2022, and that's still still an issue with uh, DVRs and I mean, whether it's cable or kind of your traditional you know, cable or satellite uh, uh, networks. But what I did actually was a little bit different this week. I watched the Italian Super Cup um, at the same time I was watching the League Cup and at the same time I was watching the, the Spanish Supercopa. But the first half of the, the Italian Super Cup I watched on CBS Sports Network and the picture quality was so bad. I actually took a, a screen grab of it and posted it on, on Twitter 
uh, at World Soccer Talk. It was glitchy. It was. It, it looked like it was a video game that had like a bug in it. It was just it just really glitchy. So for the second half, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch it on Paramount Plus, and the picture quality was far far more superior on Paramount Plus than it was on CBS Sports Network. Of course, there's a, a ton of different variables involved in why that is so in terms of the CBS Sports Network uh, not having a good picture quality. But that, that was just my experience uh, this week. A um, couple more news items to get to, Kartik. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, I'll have you talk about it. But, but uh, Fox and Twitter have yeah, a, yeah, announced yeah, a deal. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of... Uh, uh kind of cool again twitter has been really aggressive in terms of marketing itself for highlights etc and clips so uh they've announced a partnership with fox sports uh to air world cup highlights uh for both the 2022 men's and 2023 women's world cups um they had obviously done this in 2018 and 2019 and um it is actually i think something that will uh really drive um drive more traffic to twitter as we saw uh, in, uh, in 2018 and 2019, there will also be um, analysis and interactive Q&As, which are uh, available via Twitter Spaces, which is something I've been using lately, by the way. Um, and it's uh, even if you have a small audience, you get a lot of interaction with, with people, uh, kind of replace Clubhouse in terms of that. Um, so uh, you also have the ability now to um, um, kind of link uh, videos to your own personal Twitter feed, uh, these official videos and, and share highlights and, and clips, which is, uh, a little more robust than it was in 2018 and 2019. So, um, this, uh, um, is a great deal for, I think both Fox sports and Twitter. It gets, it gets Fox sports further out there too. And maybe in a way, Chris, um, serves as some sort of substitute for Fox sports, not having an actual streaming platform. Uh, that's kind of what I got from this announcement that they're trying to, they're trying to find ways to, to finesse around not having a streaming, uh, streaming thing. Yeah. From what I take from it, it, it's more about, I mean, they're they're definitely going to be promoting the Fox sports app as the place to go to, to watch games. Um, but if you, if you're like me and you mean, you're a soccer fan and maybe you don't watch as many other sports, but I have, I had the Fox sports app, the probably the last time I had, it was probably the women's world cup. And after that, I deleted it because there's no soccer content on there or, or very, very little. So there's no reason for me to go back to it. Now, for the World Cup, then, yeah, maybe I'll download the, the Fox Sports app and then use that if I'm you mean, out of the house and watching it on the road or whatever. Um, this, this deal was a little bit weird, though, Kartik, because at, at the end of the day, even if they didn't make this announcement, you know that Fox Soccer, the Twitter handle, would be tweeting out goal highlights anyway of, of you mean, from all the games. But this one, to me, sounds like and feels more like a kind of a, an advertising partnership deal where Fox and Twitter have made an agreement. So maybe there's a revenue share deal as part of the, this. But to make a big, big splash to say, hey, Twitter's the place to go to for highlights of, of goals as they're scored in the World Cup. And then behind the scenes, Fox and Twitter work out some type of deal where they, they cross-promote each other. Uh, and it's beneficial for both companies, both monetarily and, and as far as reach. Um, I had a question on Twitter from somebody, too, and they said, okay, well, what does this mean for YouTube? Will Fox Sports have highlights of goals on YouTube from games? Um, or, you mean, at the end of the day, will they have the highlights package on there, too? Most probably, yes, but they haven't announced anything. 
Um, and then the other thing, too, in this press release from Fox and Twitter is that the first quotes in the press release is from one of Fox's um, gambling executives. So I think this is also a play for Fox Sports to really kind of push the their Fox Bet product um, in in the faces of soccer fans where gambling is legal in whichever states it's legal in. And there might be kind of ads for Fox Bet. And maybe there's a revenue share deal there too between uh, Twitter and Fox. So, so it's interesting uh, pulling this one, one apart. Um, but yeah, the World Cup's coming, and uh, Twitter's definitely a place to go to for for the uh, the goal highlights for sure. And uh, this week too, Karthik uh, Carl uh, did, did a story. He interviewed uh, one of the executives from um, ESPN Plus, uh, actually John Lasker, who we interviewed a few years ago. And uh, writing about ESPN Plus and trying to get to the heart of some of the numbers, uh, we know that they have a lot of soccer coverage, but what does that mean? Like, how many hours do they do a year? So we got uh, Kyle got some really good insight. The article's at worldsoccertalk.com, but just a few highlights. Um, and, of course, you can read the whole article for more, more details. But in 2021, ESPN streamed more than 22,000 live events. Which, which that number is staggering when you think about it in terms of I mean, just the operation, just going to ESPN Plus and just seeing the amount of different things happening live, 22,000 live events, more, more than that in 2021. Of those 22,000, 5,400 were soccer matches. Now, I think about probably about 50% of those probably end up being college soccer games, which is nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's a ton of college soccer content on there. But still, uh, even if you take half of that, so if you say like 26 or 2,700 uh, live professional soccer games, that's, that's more than Paramount+. Plus. That's, that's just a staggering number, a number once again. And then the busiest day that they had in 2021, they had 152 live events. You can just imagine behind the scenes all the all the programming and all the people that are running around trying to make these things possible. And last but not, not least, um, 2021 featured more than 1,030 hours of soccer-focused studio shoulder programming. So pre-match, half-time, post-match, as well as ESPN FC, and then some of their other shows, um, definitely on the Spanish-language side, they've got a, a bunch of different news shows. So... Um, so yeah, so I think it's uh, it's been a good year for ESPN Plus, and, and they're they're pushing to make uh, twenty twenty two an even better year. Kartik, uh, from this past weekend, did you get, get a chance to watch any of the FA Cup coverage on ESPN Plus, and what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it was uh, it was pretty straightforward. They showed all the games, which was great, right? But uh, beyond that, I mean, it was it was uh, uh, really straightforward. There were no. Um, there was no kind of bumper programming, although I, I, they, they did a really good job, I think, in and around a couple of other things in this last week, right? Um, the, uh, the League Cup uh, semifinal matches, the, uh, yep. the Spanish Supercopa. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it, we got uh, access to all of the matches, which was, uh, which was fantastic. I mean, the thing, the thing that I thought was really, um, really useful – this weekend was the uh, ability to, for those of us again who have Apple TV, who have the quad box, so to speak, to kind of focus on uh, multiple matches at once. Um, and 
that ended up make uh, kind of driving us towards matches that maybe would not have been the the highlighted match uh, in the past. So we got to see all of the uh, all the cup sets, so to speak, in a way that when Fox had the rights and they were showing matches uh, on FS1 and FS2, and they would just pick up the international feed for these matches, and we wouldn't see the other matches that we would never see. Yeah, this is one of my favorite weekends uh, this year. For I mean, it, it always, it almost always is. Not not every year. Some sometimes, like in a few years ago, maybe, maybe two years ago, it seemed like the FA Cup third round was in jeopardy. It just seemed to be that there was like hardly any fans in the stadium. There was not much to talk about in terms of the games. Uh, it was a little bit, a little bit scary because we were not used to that. But um, this past weekend was probably one of my favorite weekends of FA Cup weekends in quite a while. You had so many good games on. Um, I'm not going to go through down the list, but huge upsets, uh, tons of goals. And what I was doing, because there is no whip around show and there is no halftime show, uh, is I would listen to TalkSport Radio for the radio commentary. And then they would say, hey, huge things happening here at, uh, at Kidderminster. And then I would, same as you, Kartik, I had the quad box, so the, the, multi, uh, the multicast feature. It was a multi-view <laughs> uh, feature on, e- on Apple uh, TV for ESPN Plus where you can watch four games at once. And then I would look at the Kidderminster Reading game and go, oh, my gosh, look at that goal. I can't believe it. Amazing. So I was able to really kind of just experience the, the FA Cup in its full glory. Um, and, and I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Big crowds, good games, uh, and thoroughly entertaining. The interesting thing for me, Kartik, though, is that, well, two interesting things. First of all, we had all 32 games live uh, available to us at our fingertips uh, on our TVs or computers or whatever device you're using. In comparison, in the the UK, where the FA Cup is uh, being played, only six of those games were available on television all weekend. We had 32. The other thing... I always find it interesting, and I always find it kind of weird, Kartik, and I want to get your take on it, on this, is you hardly ever see any MLS journalists talking about the FA Cup on social media. And what is it about the FA Cup that silences MLS journalists for the most part? What do you think? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, because you have lower division teams and t- non-league teams uh, challenging uh, top division and, and, and second division teams, and that there seems to be some sort of... Uh, uh, inherent view in the U.S. that closed leagues and closed structures are, are superior and that uh, only big markets, only uh, cities that have, you know, there shouldn't be uh, a team from Omaha upsetting teams from uh, from New York, right? That, that I think that there's a very elite view of that. And so that's probably it. I mean, I, I do find it kind of curious because I, I, I don't like playoffs, as I've articulated on here before, and I really don't like the Champions League. <laughs> I think, you know, I haven't said it that directly in the past, but I'm sitting watching the championship and, you know, League One in, in England or, or something else or during uh, Champions League match days often in, in, in midweek. So I don't like knockout competitions because I think they're crapshoots. The knockout competitions I do like are open competitions, which everybody qualifies for. And then every anybody can beat anybody else. And uh, the matches can be uh, in any any venue. That I like. I like open competitions. This is an open competition. The FA Cup is an open cup, so to speak. Uh, the League Cup is not, right? The League Cup is just professional clubs. So maybe that's uh, that's what they don't like. They, they object to that. And uh, 
or they just are, are, are so focused on leagues and and uh, and the business side of it. I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation. I have some theories, and I think uh, the the open side of it, the fact that you have non-league clubs upsetting clubs that are in the first and second divisions, is uh, something that they don't really typically embrace. Um, mm-hmm. And it's done in a way where those clubs don't lose money. So we have an open cup in the United States, but as I often say, as someone who's worked extensively in lower division soccer, both professional lower divisions and adult amateur lower divisions, it's a, lead, a, a loss leader. If you go out and you want to upset uh, a USL or MLS team, chances are you're going to lose money on it. And then you're going to have to uh, do a GoFundMe to travel to the next match because US soccer doesn't make uh, it financially attractive. The way the F does here you get a cut of the ticket revenue you get a cut right. of everything so uh maybe all of that is uh offensive to them because it's it's very much uh contrary to the way things are done in this country yeah no i think the u.s open cup could be something that's um more successful in the future but i think it, it, t- it needs investments um from u.s soccer federation whether it's taking one percent of the money that they spend on lawyer fees and then putting that towards the, the competition and, and and actually subsidizing it offering you mean paying for travel or whatever it takes to make it a a really bigger event that we can be proud of we're proud of it but it's gotten really pushed to the side i mean the last couple of years because of covid it hasn't been played it's coming back this year but what makes this year any different than previous years and and the struggles that you mentioned Kartik, as far as clubs not being able to afford travel or just trying to figure out a way to be able to to actually compete in the tournament financially where they they don't lose money it, it's difficult so speaking of other cup competitions too, we have the Africa Cup of Nations that started last weekend. Uh, a lot of controversy about this one because the games on the weekends are on BN Sports Extra, which is their free channel, which is available on Pluto TV, uh, Roku, uh, the, Roku, the Roku channel, and a ton of other places. And because it's a free channel, much like Pluto, if you watch any 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 programming on Pluto. You mean usually, usually every ten minutes it's going to a commercial break? Well, Africa Cup of Nations, we're watching the game, and then ten minutes into the game, we go to commercial during the game. Um, it's not a good look for being sports, especially in terms of how they value this tournament and you know what it says about the Africa Cup of Nations. However, if you do want to watch the games and you don't want to have the commercial breaks on weekends, the other option is to watch it on Being Sports Connect. Uh, they do have a feed on there that doesn't have any commercials. However, that feed has a commentary that's only in Arabic. So if you don't mind turning down the volume and just watching the game uh, or turning it up a little bit and hearing the crowd noise, but there's no commercials on those. Africa Cup of Nations, Kartik, uh, so far it's a drought. I mean, unfortunately, the number of goals scored per game, the average is 1.0. And I think for the Gold Cup... Um, after the first nine games, I think it was about 2.6 goals per game. Oh, wow. And then the Euro, Euros, Euro 2022, uh, Euro 2020, sorry, was I think 2.4 goals per game. So the Africa Cup of Nations, a lot of nil-nils or one-nils. It hasn't been the most exciting tournament thus far, unfortunately. All right, let's see. So we've gone through all the news. And uh, before we move on to... Uh, the listener mailbag. Let's talk about our matches to watch this weekend. Uh, I'll have you go first, Kartik. Yeah, Dortmund Freiburg uh, on uh, Friday, ESPN Plus, the the Friday Bundesliga, Friday night Bundesliga match, 12, 2.30 p.m. 
or 2.20 p.m. actually, Eastern Time. It, Dortmund now back within six points of uh, Bayern after Bayern lost to Gladbach, which is a, uh, an annual event now. Bayern has some sort of... Uh, I, I haven't seen a bogey team complex quite like this in a while, where Bayern... Uh, struggles against Gladbach, irrespective of circumstances. I know they had some guys out with COVID last week, but that's uh, for the last three years or so. I mean, my theory is Marco Hosa got the uh, uh, Dortmund job because he kept beating Bayern at, at, at Gladbach. So uh, Dortmund now within six points. Freiburg in contention for a European spot uh, as well. So this is a this is a very big match, and I think it's uh, if Dortmund can push on, having come from behind uh, against Eintracht. Uh, on Saturday, uh, maybe they can make this a title race. Yeah, Freiburg is a good team. I always yeah. enjoy watching them. Even the last few years, they've always been kind of a an attacking team that never gave up. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been impressed by them for sure. So I'm going to cheat a little bit on my uh, what to watch this weekend. This game is actually on Tuesday. And Kartik, this is the hipster derby. This is uh, St. Pauli against Borussia Dortmund uh, in the DFB Pokal. Yeah. Uh, 2.45 Eastern Time. It's on ESPN3 and I believe ESPN Deportes. The only sad thing about this, Kartik, is probably, you know, in Germany, right, there's probably going to be no fans in the stadium because if there was St. Pauli against Dortmund, I mean, that's a dream come true as far as uh, two of the most uh, hipster German clubs. Yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, that, that 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 is a legitimate hipster derby, right? The the the, the commercially really successful hipster team versus the, the 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 hipster team that's the inspiration for all the other hipster teams around the world. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if they had fans in that stadium, it would be just intense. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, as I'm going going through this local soccer TV project that we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast, yep. uh, if I did it, if I actually kept a tally of uh, what clubs in Europe inspire the people who are running clubs in the U.S.? San Pauli would come out ahead, ahead of Manchester United, ahead of Liverpool. It's amazing how mm-hmm. many people in the United States um, who get interested in the sport or want to do something very grassroots and local and community-oriented in the sport look to that club first before they look to any other club. Amazing. Well, especially kind of the most hipster U.S. club uh, is what, Detroit City? Yes. And that's the St. Pauli... I mean, definitely, definitely yeah, inspired yeah, by them. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. Right. All right. Listen to mailbag. Uh, first up is Chris, and he talks about the tr- the transition from NBCSN to USA uh, Network. Chris says, when it comes to USA's Premier League coverage, I am in uh, I am in agreement with you guys that there is no difference in coverage between USA and NBCSN. I will say that I have seen more ads both on TV and on social media telling people that the new home for the Premier League is USA Network. I've been watching a lot more Ligue 1 uh, games this season and have found the games and atmosphere to be entertaining as a neutral. However, the fan violence isn't a good look for the league, especially when it comes to selling media rights in the next few years. Yeah, and and Ligue 1 should be up uh, for bids in the next couple of years too. Um, For me, yeah, I do not want fan violence, but to me it definitely creates sometimes a really good atmosphere, a really tense, charged atmosphere. Um, And, I mean, it's kind of – you don't want fan violence to get out of control, definitely not. Um, But when there is fans, home and away fans, the chanting, the singing – and the passion that does come through the TV set, and it is exciting to watch. And and sometimes for the players, 
it gets it helps them move up to the next level too. You see the difference between players playing in an empty stadium versus players playing uh, in a packed stadium, where the fans are kind of you mean whether giving them some pressure or shouting or sometimes it does affect players. But um, but yeah, as far as the the advertising goes, Chris, um, same here. I've seen a ton of advertising. NBC. That's one thing that they always do a great job on is is really getting the word out there through advertising. And it seems like with Fox um, and ESPN sometimes too, I, I just don't see as much advertising when I go online uh, to different sites, uh, kind of pushing whatever soccer games that they have. Next up, uh, talking about Major League Soccer coverage in local markets and sometimes how it's hard to actually uh, find games, even though you have ESPN Plus and you, you subscribe to that. So this is from Anonymous. And he says, to the Colorado Rapids fan who wrote in last week, I'm a diehard New York Red Bulls fan who lives six miles from Red Bull Arena and has evaded the geo-blocking on ESPN Plus for the last two seasons. I use NordVPN on my Amazon Fire-enabled TV and have had minimal, minimal issues watching matches. I used to, I've used it here in North Jersey as well as on vacation in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. I haven't tried it for the NHL games on ESPN+, Plus, but I would hope that it works too. I recommend my VPN, but there are plenty of other good VPNs to choose from. And if you do your research, most of them have a discount code for new subscribers. I'd recommend starting with a free trial just before the season begins. And if it doesn't work for whatever reason, you can get a refund. And that's one of the big issues, too, that hopefully this next MLS TV deal will uh, avoid. Um, and that is the whole local issue about local market rights and fans living sometimes not six miles from the stadium, but sometimes 60 miles or 600 miles and being blo uh, blacked out or geo-blocked from actually watching their local team, uh, even though they're actually outside of that or pretty far away from that area. So hopefully uh, the next TV deal will take care of that. Speaking of Major League Soccer, Roberto says, an aspect of the improving MLS situation is the number of teams with academies. This should help improve the qualities of those teams. Unfortunately, like we saw in the Premier League, the hard work to cultivate young players is not is for not when they go to the is is for not when they go to richer teams. Many Premier League teams have closed their academies. Daryl DK came to to Major League Soccer through college, whereas Ricardo Pepe came through Dallas's academy. Dallas may see this as a way to make money, but that action means their playing level of play is not good enough to be a top team in the league. Pepe is not ready for the Bundesliga and will probably ride the bench. The MLS needs to stop selling young American players and then signing players from South America for the league to grow more support. It needs to keep American stars by paying them serious money. So Kartik, like a Ricardo Pepe, so certainly the offer from uh, Augsburg for, um, for to, to sign him, Major League Soccer loves that amount of money, like what, the $20, $20 million. Um, but what if, you mean, what if FC Dallas offered Pepe the same type of wages in MLS versus what he'd be making in Augsburg? Do you think he'd still make that move? Yeah, because I think it's it's about being in Europe. It's testing yourself against the best competition that's being in the shop window for an ultimately bigger move. So 
Uh, I, I don't think it often, I, I, I don't know that it always comes down to money. And, and there's uh, the assumption by some people that it does, but I don't think it does. Now, in the case of Pepe moving to Augsburg, it's a risk. Uh, Augsburg is fighting relegation, and they have some very good attacking players already. I mean, that was what really struck me, was that he was going to a team where I'm not sure he's going to move into the into the lineup quickly, because they their problem hasn't been attacking. Their problem has been leaking goals at the back at times, although I, I think they're good enough to stay in the league. But being good enough to stay in the league may require them not to uh, uh, bleed in a young attacking player until next season. So... Uh, yeah, and I and I think in terms of um, academies, they're they're great. But I also think that um, the idea that some people have now that hey, ignore the college game is is pretty is pretty stupid. This is one place where I, I completely agree with Alexi Lawless. Um, there are a lot of players who get uh, caught in the cracks and they develop later. Uh, they they're they're not at elite youth academies. They may develop in college. They might be seen in college. And we have a lot of guys who played college soccer who have uh, been very successful. I mean, one uh, scored twice in the Premier League last week. Jack Harrison uh, played at Wake Forest, let's not forget. So uh, I, I, I never write off college soccer. And, and uh, great point uh, by, uh, by Roberto. DK went that route and now is at, at West Brom permanently. And then next up is uh, Drew talking about La Liga. When people talk about Barcelona not being what it used to be, it's worth remembering that the club was utterly wrecked by uh, Bartomeu uh, to the point of being more than $1 billion, uh, $1 billion in debt. Barcelona is a team that is operating under a strict salary cap, and a lot of the squad is made up of young players who are uh, growing as footballers. They can't go out and spend whatever they want on players like City and PSG. In North American sports, what Barcelona is going through um, wouldn't be too out of the ordinary as even giants like the Patriots and Lakers sometimes miss the playoffs. But since Barcelona supporters are used to seeing Barcelona win every year, they get surprised by the results and press the panic button. No team should have a preordained spot at the top of their league as if they were football royalty. And seeing Barcelona turn to their academy players to climb back to the top instead of outspending their rivals like before is refreshing to say the least. And Andrew, I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it, I, to me, it, it's more an issue with Barcelona and the hierarchy making really poor decisions. This is one of the biggest clubs in the world, and uh, they've definitely made so many mistakes. The, the, the situation that they're currently in is a result of their poor decisions. So, yes, teams kind of come and go in terms of some teams sometimes uh, are always, I mean, Manchester United were winning the league every year and then they kind of dropped off, but they're still in contention there. But uh, the drop off with Barcelona from what they were just a couple of years ago to now in terms of their playing level is a huge drop off. And a lot of that is because of, of the, the way the club has been run. And a lot of that is because of the financial issues, um, overspending, overpaying, making making some really uh, dumb decisions. Kartik, do you have anything to add here? I, I think that uh, the reality on, on the Barcelona issue is that Barcelona is, if anything, being cut breaks at this point um, by La Liga. Because what's happened is Barcelona has so wildly overspent and is in such a precarious financial stand position that they can't get uh, a low-interest loan really anywhere. At any bank in Spain... Most banks in the United States, they've gotten another loan now. That's how they were able to afford buying Ferran Torres. And um, 
they haven't been able to register him yet. But the uh, for La Liga competition, right? They could register him for other competitions. Uh, La Liga has actually cut Barcelona breaks because they are not anywhere near being in compliance with the salary cap. But La Liga has been like, okay, if you're making progress, if we see you're trimming payroll, if we see you're getting towards the recommended or, or actually the required spending limits. Um, then, then we're going to uh, cut you some slack. So I, I have no sympathy for Barcelona right now. I have very little sympathy for Barcelona supporters who have also been nothing but condescending to clubs that they feel are um, plastic clubs with plastic fans, right? And or don't play football the right way. Uh, I, I mean, it's all coming. It's it's what goes around comes around. Is the way I view it. <laughs> Yeah, and don't forget to the Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus are the three clubs that still are trying to make the European Super League a thing. Uh, everyone else, you mean, kind of wised up and, and listened to the fans. Those three clubs are still trying to put it together and trying to figure out a way. And it really is, you mean, Juventus and Barcelona in uh, huge financial issues. I, I mean, it's really motivated by money. They're just trying to figure out, OK, if we do European Super League, that'll give us some, some big funding from some of these American banks and that'll keep us uh, afloat a little bit longer or might, might help us in terms of the transfer market. Barcelona, partly because of their – and like I mean I think most of our listeners know I'm actually to the left politically. But I will say this about the left. Because the left in, in Europe is, is so in love with Barcelona and, and the Catalan thing, Barcelona has been given so many – breaks I think in terms of the way they've been covered that they have run a bad business for 10 or 15 years and got and and uh, not been called to account for it I mean I could imagine if some other clubs with uh, owners from uh, from uh, from Thailand or from the United States or wherever uh, were, were conducting their business and operating the way Barcelona were and with the arrogance and the seeming indifference to everything else going on what the coverage would have been like so yeah. I, I don't have any sympathy for them at all and, and actually, I'm getting more put out uh, by their supporters over the last six months than I ever have before. I mean, they just they, they whine and they have this sense of entitlement and this sense that uh, this grievance against the rest of us that is uh, and I guess it manifested itself in the Super League. You're right, Chris. That would probably be where it all came out. I, I would add, though, too, but I, I do see a line between the business side of things, how the club has been run, and then kind of the footballing philosophy side of sides, which is, I mean, playing the game in, in a beautiful manner and in terms of having kind of a, uh, a philosophy of, of playing the game. And, and it, even going back to Johan Cruyff uh, and kind of the Dutch influence. So the way that they play the game and, and what they stand for on the footballing side, I, I mean, not that it's the only way. But it, 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 that's something well, I, but for I, years, I believe in. Barcelona fans would be like, how can Atleti, Atletico Madrid play? Uh, how can Simeone play the way he does against us? It's not football. It's not right. Blah, blah, blah. Now that Atleti has greater resources than Barcelona, uh, maybe maybe they would have a point. But at the time, they had everything uh, stacked in their favor, and Atletico did. I'm just using Atletico as an example because I heard that over and over from Barcelona fans about how sinister and cynical Simeone was uh, in particular. And uh, now they see what it's like to be a club that doesn't have unlimited resources and, and, and has to manage their finances. Maybe they, they can't play football in the fashion they want to. I will see. I mean, I think with Xavi, they probably will play football that way. But, uh, uh, but you know, you never know. Yeah, 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 definitely. 
Yeah, it just goes to show, Kartik. It's like when you're at the top, it just can enjoy it, right? Because Manchester United fans, uh, for the longest time, you know, were just winning everything. It seemed year after year. Barcelona too. I mean, I mean, definitely close with with Real Madrid back and forth, but still winning trophies every season. Um, and sometimes things change financially. Decisions, whether it's even you know, ownership with United and lack of spending, or again poor decisions in the transfer market, poor leadership, etc. So, yeah. oh. <laughs> all right. Last but not least, uh, Bobby Drake has a question for us. And Kartik, this is probably up your alley a lot more. Why don't Premier League champion ch- uh, teams that win the the, ch- the Premier League? Why don't they wear a crest indicating their defending status? In fact, I think only the NBA and UEFA do this during normal campaigns. Strange that no other sport does it. I could be wrong. Kartik, what do you think? Well, actually, uh, Bobby, they do. So um, Manchester City this year is wearing a lion crest on their sleeve, which is gold, rather than just a regular kind of monochrome uh, or gray uh, crest that the other 19 clubs will wear. So that's an ind- ind- indicative that they're the champion. That's a tradition going back to, um, I think the Premier League started at some time in, in, in the mid-2000s. MLS has something similar to a Scudetto that you wear. Obviously, Skid- uh, you know, Serie A does. So some leagues do do it. The Premier League, it's very subtle. If you don't know about it, actually... I didn't know about it until Manchester City actually won the title uh, the first time. And when I'm ordering my yearly kit, uh, the city shop is like, do you want the gold badge or do you want just a standard Premier League? I'm like, gold badge? What is that? It's the gold badge for the champion. Um, so that's um, it's something that a lot of people don't know about. But if you go back and watch the clips maybe from the year after Leicester won the title, they were wearing it. Because uh, yep. that was the first year of the new... Um, the new logo for the Premier League was the season after Leicester won the title, so the 16-17 season. And you could see very clearly they're wearing a gold badge versus everybody else wearing a kind of grayish badge. Or, uh, not gray, actually silver silver gray. Yeah, it's kind of hmm. that color. I did not know that, Kartik. I uh, learned something new. And, and, of course, with Swansea City never winning the Premier League, uh, you mean, uh, from personal experience, I haven't had the chance to look at my club sleeve and go, like, wait, there's, there's a gold, something, a gold, uh, gold crest. Like I, don't, like I said, I, wouldn't have no, I had no idea. Actually, I, I'll tell you the story. We were doing a, uh, a, uh, 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 an event uh, at an indoor soccer futsal event for, for NASL one Saturday night. And uh, Josh Tomlinson, who you know, right, who's worked with us at World Soccer Talk, who's also a Manchester City fan, came over and, and, and told me about this. And, like, he had gotten the gold badge. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to actually order my crest by my new kit tomorrow. And I ordered it. And, like, I didn't even know what he meant by gold badge. And this is at summer of 2012 after we won the title in dramatic fashion, May of 2012, um, which uh, um, uh, is uh, – uh, which was something that I didn't know. By the way, uh, shameless plug here. Uh, Gavin Jules this week on their podcast had Guile Clichy uh, on as a special guest. And Clichy talks a lot about that game, that Man City QPR game. And the whole kind of the whole attitude, the kind of whole uh, mentality around uh, how City came back in that game. So it's and he talks about his career at Arsenal hmm. also in Khan. But really, really, really a, a recommended listen if you uh, if you want to. Gavin Jules this week. Okay, Which speak- is obviously via ESPN. Speaking of podcasts, Kartik, what, what, what about this whole Football Weekly thing that's been going on with uh, <laughs> Christian Pulisic? Yeah, so um, I complained about it. I, du- I dubbed it, those of you who follow me on Twitter know that I dubbed it the, the Pulisic Police 
a couple of years ago. Because anytime you would make any critique of Pulisic, I would even say like, okay, Pulisic um, is great going forward, but sometimes he's out of position defensively and he doesn't tuck in and the fullback on his side has problems and it leads to a goal for the team playing Borussia Dortmund. Then you get all, you get all these attacks. And then it really intensified when he went to Chelsea to the point where I ended up getting attacked a lot because I am a huge fan of Mason Mount. And then to the point where I get attacked by City fans also because I compare Mason Mount favorably with Phil Foden. But that's, you know, a legitimate discussion you can have, right? Mount and Pulisic really don't even pay, play the same position. And quite frankly, if anyone thinks Pulisic is, is as high level of footballer as Mount at this point, I can't help them. Um, but Football Weekly, hosted by Max Rushkin, apparently has had such a volume of negative mail towards them, directed towards them. And Max says they've never gotten this much negative mail on any other subject, not Manchester United, not when they criticize Cristiano Ronaldo, not when they criticize Bartomeu in Barcelona, not when they criticized uh, uh, Juventus last season, nothing. You know, not when they criticized at times Liverpool or, 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 or Chelsea, um, Chelsea outside of Pulisic. This volume of mail, people accusing them of being anti-American, all of this stuff that they started a new feature on Football Weekly this week called Pulisic Patrol. And um, I, I'm just kind of, even on Twitter, it's like I saw yesterday somebody tweeting like this comparison of how Pulisic is actually uh, kind of implying Pulisic is better than Ziyech and Havertz because he's playing out of position. Quite, uh, I mean, maybe the Americans who tweet about this don't know Havertz's history or Zeke's history. They're also playing out of position in, Pulis in uh, Tuchel's setup, by the way. Um, Ziyech has not played his natural position. Oh, and then it was also Callum Hudson-Odoi. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi has not played his natural position since Frank Lampard was sacked. <laughs> yeah, I think I think part of it is the, the kind of the the need or want of of a great American hero, and and right now he, he is that poster boy. He is that guy that a lot of U.S. men's national team fans obsess over. You mean and and probably watch every single Chelsea game. But but, but putting added pressure on him is the thing. And then the other thing, Chris, is I'm not sure they're actually watching the games. Just to, uh, sorry to cut you off. I think they're watching highlights clips and they see him doing cute step over or he takes on a guy. He's a great dribbler and a fantastic finisher, right? I think he's the best finisher on that Chelsea team other than, uh, other than Lukaku. But there are other flaws in his game that every coach he's had has, has found. There's a reason why he isn't playing. It's not that Tuchel's anti-American, okay? Uh, or uh, Tuchel has some sort of personal gripe with him. There's a reason he doesn't consistently play where, you, where the American fan feels he should play. So I think they're watching clips. I don't think they're watching full games. I think if they watched full games, maybe they would comprehend some of the limitations in his game. Maybe some of the reasons he's not playing, he's not preferred to Mount um, or, or Havertz. Uh, actually, he is preferred to Havertz, Havertz more often than not now. But mm -hmm. why he's not preferred to Mount or Hudson-Odoi uh, or Werner at various times. So one, one more question before we go, and that is... You mean you having watched him? You mean Dortmund days, Chelsea days, and, and watching the games very analytically? Would you say since he's joined Chelsea, has there been an improvement or, or a drop off? Or, no, he's improved. He's improved for sure. I think um, his positioning sense is better now. This maybe has come from having to play in unnatural positions. By the way, uh, so there is a value to it, especially with a player who. Um, 
is kind of defensively deficient and is not always aware out of possession, which is something Lampard noticed, by the way, within a month of him getting to Chelsea and playing. Uh, he was making kind of, kind of strong critiques of Pulisic internally, from what I understand, from Chelsea sources that, hey, uh, when, when the ball, when you give the whale ball away or we give the ball away in midfield, you have to be here. You're not here. You're there. Um, so I think he's gotten better with that. I think he is a better all-around player. Now, is he, is he anywhere closer to being an elite player? No. But I think he's more serviceable than he was when he came from Dortmund. So, which may explain where I rated him at the time compared to where other American fans were rating him. I, I thought that he was a deficient player. I thought he was a player that could not play at an elite level. I now think he is a player that can play at an elite level, like a Park Ji Sung or a Darren Fletcher type that can be. Well, and he's not uh, analogous with Fletcher, but I'm just using that as an right. example. Park Ji yeah. Sung, he actually is kind of analogous with. A guy that can be a really good bench player for a top team. A guy that can be a difference maker as a role player for a top team. I didn't think he was even good enough to be that, quite frankly, when he moved over. But he's not at Mason Mount's level. He's not at Lukaku's level. He is not at the level of their two wing, uh, regular wingbacks, Chilwell and, uh, and Reese James. He's not one of the key guys on that team. But he can fit an important role as a role player, as a guy that plays 30 minutes a match. And there's nothing wrong with that. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a legend at, uh, at Manchester United as, as, as a guy who came off the bench and banged in goals. You know, Jermaine Defoe did it for years when he wasn't starting. Uh, Clichy, I just mentioned this podcast with, with uh, Gavin Jules. He talks about Dzeko. He's like the mentality of Edding Dzeko was he wanted to start, but he knew his role. And, and, we, and we, those of us who played with him knew that when he came on, he'd probably score. Or set up a goal. Right. Um, so you have to have that mentality. You know what? I think Pulisic maybe has that mentality. It's the American fan that is so desperate to anoint him that um, doesn't have the patience or the understanding of, of what his role is. I mean, we haven't had an American play this significant a role on a, on a big, big club, uh, an American uh, field player, uh, at, at any point. So I think that that's... Uh, that's oh, I, I mean, actually, you, uh, McKinney is doing it simultaneously. But an American attacking field player played mm-hmm. this big a role on a on a uh, a huge huge club. So embrace it. I, I don't know why there has to be all these critiques and this insecurity. And so basically, getting back to the original topic, there were so many American fans that wrote to uh, Guardian Football Weekly when they they they, they say things critical of Pulisic or somehow don't put him on the same level they put Lukaku or, or Jorginho or Conte, that um, there's some inherent bias, which absolutely isn't the case. Um, yeah, the, the example you gave of uh, Park Ji-sung uh, is, I think, perfect because he was that type of impact player that Ferguson would, would, would pick and choose the games he would play. Yeah. And oftentimes the games he would play, especially in the Champions League, it was a difference maker. It was an impact yeah. player. It changed the game. It, it really kind of... Uh, gave the opposition a headache to try to figure out okay right now how do we figure out how to play against this 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 type of player so and and that's the thing Kartik. i mean in terms of uh your analysis and and reading of the game i mean to me it's at a very very high level and it's one of the many uh kind of attributes of you that that is really really good in terms of really reading the game well and sharing that because like when i watch a game i'm watching it differently right like sometimes i'm watching it most from like watching the game as it flows of course but also watching it from the tv coverage or watching it from like the stadium perspective a totally different experience than what you're doing um 
Um, but the two of us together, it, it, it ends up being kind of a uh, a good partnership there. Yeah, all right, listeners. That. All right, listeners. If you have something that you you want to ask us, we'd love to read your comment out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Heading into another weekend of football from around the world, um, lots of big title races still going on. Uh, Americans playing in Europe. You've got... Uh, tons of games and actually for me Kartik my first Swansea City league game in over a month the last time they played was December 11th yeah and uh, they're playing this weekend, I think, against Huddersfield, which will be a tough game on, on very Saturday. Tough game. Very, very So uh, things to look forward to. and uh, Maybe maybe not to look forward to for you, because when uh, Burnley was playing Huddersfield this past weekend, uh, and I was on Talk no. Sport, they were talking about cup sets. I said, well, that actually, uh, Huddersfield's better than Burnley. I don't. I know they're a division lower, so I'm picking Huddersfield. <laughs> and they won, of course. So, I know. Uh, that's a tough game, but let yeah, me live back. Let me live the dream, though, Kartik. Are you, I mean, I'm, I'm on a high right now to see Swansea play and actually last last week's recommendations of the uh, Nottingham Forest Arsenal game oh yeah spot out uh, oh yeah 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 what a game that was but uh, heading in, into another weekend contact what are you going to do and what should the listeners do enjoy your football What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.